All right, let's actually, let's open up in prayer. Let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much once again for this tremendous privilege, this honor of gathering together as family. In the unity of the faith, Father, thank you so much for a day like today, the ability, the grace provision to be able to celebrate your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ and his birth so many years ago. Father, thank you for gathering us together by said grace this morning. Thank you for your mercy and your love. Thank you for this little church on a hill where so many individuals are able to gather together as family, break bread, dine on the very bread of life, Father. Father, we pray for those that aren't with us this morning that earnestly desire to be here with us. Our spirit, our prayer goes out to them. We pray also for our guests this morning that this service express your love for them. And we pray also for those still lost in this world, Father, that your patience continues with them and that we might be given the opportunity to give them the gospel, that we might have additional brothers and sisters in Christ for all of eternity. Father, we are most grateful and thankful, of course, for your son's work on the cross 2,000 years ago to cancel out that debt against us and make a morning like this even a reality. We just ask for your blessings on this morning's message May it be edifying for our souls. May it challenge each of us as we hear your calling upon our lives. We ask this in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. <clears throat> I alluded to earlier, um, I want to talk about Jesus this morning. And as most of us know, he is the God-man, which really means that He's 100% God and 100% man simultaneously. But I'd like to spend our time today reflecting on the man. For as we know, God isn't born. He is the Alpha and the Omega. So the deity in Jesus Christ always was and always will be, so says Holy Scripture. Go to John 8.53 with me. John 8.53. There is a distinction, even though it's the same man, the God-man, there is a distinction that's viable to make. So we're certainly not diminishing the fact, the reality of his deity. We're just going to focus a little bit more this morning on his humanity. John 8.53, though, says this, just to set the record straight, John 8. 53, surely you are not greater than our father Abraham who died, the prophets died too, whom do you make yourself out to be? Jesus answered, if I glorify myself, my glory is nothing. It is my father who glorifies me, of whom you say, he is our God. And you have not come to know him, but I know him. And if I say that I do not know him, I will be a liar like you. 
but I do know him and keep his word. Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. So the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and you have seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Truly, truly, I say to you, before Abraham was born, I am. Therefore, they picked up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple up here on the board. He is the great I am. And we know this, and it's good for us to see that in Holy Scripture. Nonetheless, it's difficult to comprehend what this means completely, I am. Before Abraham was, I am. The best we can do is to treasure it, trust it, place our faith, hope, and love on it being true. The great I am became a man, and his name is Jesus. That's really humbling. So let's read about this person, Jesus, now. Go to Matthew 1.18. Again, I am, he said, and it is difficult to comprehend what this means completely. Matthew 1.18, and I suppose the best we can do is to treasure it, trust it, place our faith, hope, and love on it being true. The great I am became a man in his name. Is Jesus. Matthew 1.18 Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. When his mother Mary had been betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found to be with child by the Holy Spirit. And Joseph, her husband, Jesus' earthly father, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her, planned to send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife, for the child who has been conceived in in her is of the Holy Spirit. Matthew 1.21 She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Now all of this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet. Behold, the virgin shall be with child and shall bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which translated means God with us. And Joseph awoke from his sleep and did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took Mary as his wife but kept her a virgin until she gave birth to a son, and he called his name Jesus. Again, the point on the board, this is the same person, the great I am. All of this is difficult to comprehend, but we can treasure it, we can trust it, we can place our faith, hope, and love in it being true. But the point the Spirit's making this morning right out of the gate is that the great I am became a man And his name is Jesus. And that's who we're celebrating. Now, as I alluded to earlier, again, I want to spend our time this morning talking about Jesus, the man. I want to relate to him. You get it? Man to man. And I want you all to do the same. Man to man or woman 
to man, whatever it may be. And I want all of us to remember that we are simultaneously to think of ourselves as his bride. So to put this morning into context, we are celebrating the birth of our bridegroom. Just think about that. We are his bride. We are celebrating the birth of our bridegroom. The reality is that we don't know a whole lot about him before his public ministry. We know about his birth, his fathers, so to speak, his heavenly, his earthly fathers. And we know a little bit about how he grew up as a man. So let's read that now. Go to Luke 2, verse 40. Luke 2, verse 40. I think we forget sometimes, and I think that's the Spirit's intent this morning, is to remind us of the intimacy that should exist between Jesus the man and, and, and us. Luke 2.40 The child continued to grow and become strong, that's Jesus of course, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he became 12, they went up, to, uh, up there according to the custom of the feast. And as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem. But his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished. And his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? So even at an early age, Jesus understood his life. But they did not understand the statement which he had made to them. And he went down with them and came to Nazareth, and he continued in subjection to them. There's some good scripture for you kids out there. Jesus Christ continued in subjection to his parents long after he understood who he was even. And his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. So here's something we can think about this morning. Jesus so humbled himself. Don't forget this. Jesus had to learn as a man does. Luke 2.52. Jesus, as a boy, spent time learning from his Bible, being raised by earthly parents. And as we just saw, 
remained in subjection to them. In his humility, we are able to relate to him personally. And that's a very good thing, to be able to relate to our Lord and Savior at a personal level. I think at times we elevate him. He should be elevated, but we elevate him outside of the realm of relatability, and that's a tragedy, a real tragedy. Hebrews 4.15, up here on the board. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. Yet without sin. But he purposely, the great I am, purposely became a man. His name was Jesus. Why? In part so that he would be the mediator between man and his father, between man and God, so that both God could relate to him and we as human beings could relate to him. That's what a mediator does. That's what a mediator is. And so he became one of us, even submitted himself to the authority, the God-given authority in a home, his parents. Even had to learn, even had to experience temptation. These are all things that we experience ourselves. And so we get to relate to him, which is a very good thing. And that's what the Spirit is emphasizing this morning. That is who we are celebrating. And I think it's easy to forget these things. That's the point. To put Jesus in some wholly separate category so completely that we find ourselves unable to relate to him. And again, this would be the real tragedy this Christmas. If you can't relate to Jesus Christ, that's a real tragedy. He wouldn't want that for you. So let me add to that idea that Jesus so humbled himself. We don't want to have a quote, sterile relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want a very personal one. Remember, that is what He wants also. Hasn't He proven this to us? Hasn't He? We don't want a sterile relationship with our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. We want a personal one. We want an intimate one. Hasn't He initiated that with us? Hasn't he proven this to us over the years? That no matter how much and how often we fail, he doesn't fail us? Haven't we proven that to us? Or hasn't he proven that to us? So when we think about Christmas, <clears throat> I guess what I'm saying is that we ought to be thinking about Jesus in a very personal, intimate way. Not just as Savior, not just as Lord, for these are first and foremost things, of course, but to avoid a sterile relationship with the one we're going to be spending all of eternity with, worshiping, loving. We ought to embrace him then as a person, a fellow human being even, for he is no less human than we are today. He is no less human than we are today. 
And as I was preparing this lesson, uh, you know, there's a whole stir of emotions that go on through my soul, but one of them was that I wish that Bill Johnson could come back right now and speak Jesus' praises to us all. Wouldn't that be fantastic? Say, guys, you cannot wait. It's amazing. You have no idea how much he loves you. No idea. It would be impossible in this thing, in this current estate. So I was thinking about that. I know it's a silly, so give me a little leeway. But that would be cool to have Bill. And you know him. He'd come running in with his giggle and his laugh and his countenance. <laughs> Nonetheless, we don't need that, though, do we? We don't need someone to come back and tell us how fantastic Jesus Christ is. We really don't. As was a recent lesson that we learned about the rich man Abraham and Lazarus in Hades. We have the truth. We have his mind. We have the very word of God. Therefore, we have him. So says Holy Scripture. So finding intimacy... Our intimacy with Jesus is found and fostered through the Word of God. John 1.14 says, And the Word became flesh. That's one of the most fantastic things we've got in this world, is that we're able to know our Lord and Savior intimately through the Word of God. For He is the Word. So says Holy Scripture. So let's read what is arguably one of the most overwhelmingly fantastic passages in all of Holy Scripture now. Go to John 1.1. 1, 1. 1, verse 1. John 1, verse 1. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. What did Jesus say? Before Abraham was, I am. That's the same person speaking there. That's the Word. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was in the beginning with God. All things came into being through Him, and apart from Him, nothing came into being that has come into being. In him was life, and the life was the light of men. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend it. There came a man sent from God, whose name was John, that's John the Baptist. He came as a witness to testify about the light, so that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but he came to testify about the light. There was the true light which, coming into the world, enlightens every man. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, and the world did not know him. He came to his own, and those who were his own did not receive him. But as many as received him, to them he gave the right to become children of God, even to those who believe in his name, 
who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory. Just leave it open, DJ. You guys all right back there? Who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us, and we saw His glory, glory as of the only begotten from the Father, full of grace and truth. John testified about Him and cried out, saying, This was He of whom I said, He who comes after me has a higher rank than I, for He existed before me. For of his fullness we have all received, and grace upon grace. Again, I would encourage all of you, as frequently as you can, read the first chapter of John. It's magnificent. It's overwhelming. I'm still absorbing it. And every time I read it, I'm overwhelmed by what it means to me. What it means to be in Christ. What it means to be intimately related to the very Word of God. So wrapping our heads around this is simply stupendous. And as I mentioned on Thursday evening, to me it's hard to believe, though I do, that this same person became a man like me in order to save me. Luke 19.10 For the Son of Man has come to seek and to save that which was lost. It's hard to wrap my head around that, that the great I Am became a man to save, to seek and to save that which was lost. And then I think about what that meant to him personally, What did it mean to him personally as a man in the most human sense? It's not as if he didn't understand his life or his calling because he did, as we just saw in Luke 2.49, which said, and he said to them, why is it that you are looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? He was 12. It's not that he didn't understand who he was. It's not as if he didn't face temptation like a man, as we just noted in Hebrews 4.15 that says, For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but one who has been tempted in all things as we are, yet without sin. So when we think of Jesus, we need to think of him on a very human terms even, because that's what he was and is, human. And I was thinking about this um, as I was preparing this lesson. It's funny because one of the biggest celebrations in American culture is a person's birthday, right? Happens once a year, everybody's crazy. Woo, sweet 16. All this ridiculousness you see on television, people celebrating. I don't know what they're celebrating. That's been one of the challenges from the pulpit, right? What is it that we celebrate nowadays? 
besides ungodliness. But nonetheless, I don't want to digress. It's Christmas. <laughs> might lose my voice. But it is funny because one of the biggest celebrations in America is a person's birthday. And I was thinking we all get together, most often as family, and we rejoice in the birth of a loved one. These types of gatherings often result in old stories about the birthday boy or the birthday girl. I mean, that's what we like to do. We get in the hot seat and we tell stories. Usually they're good. Most of the time we're laughing about things but maybe even crying, thinking about things past, uh, moments in our personal history that if that person wasn't born, wouldn't exist. And we sort of just reconcile with each other once a year. And it's a big old celebration. These are what we might call some of our most human moments. When we stop the presses and reflect on a single human being. These are some of our most human moments together where we just celebrate being born. Just celebrating a person's birth. Like I'm really glad that you were born. I can't imagine what the world would be like without you in it. For better or for worse. Some of you are like, I could, and it'd be really good. I'm just kidding. That wasn't funny? I think that's kind of funny. Nobody knows anybody like that? I do. Maybe I'm the only jerk. <laughs> I'm the only jackass that thinks like that? Well, Merry Christmas to you, too. I'm just being honest. You guys are liars. So we get together, and we celebrate just being born. It's a time of reflecting upon what a person's life has meant to us over the years as we count them up as candles on a cake. It's a time to think about the blessings we've shared with this person. And maybe it's a time even to contemplate what life would have been like had this person not been born. And that's a big one for we believers to think about when we think about celebrating Jesus' birthday tomorrow. Imagine what your life, now make it personal, imagine what your life personally would be like had Jesus never been born. And remember the mantra that will be coming from many a pulpit this morning, I suppose, that Jesus was born to die specifically. But imagine for a moment that he wasn't born. Imagine for a moment, and this is even sillier, I suppose, than having Bill come back, that he said, no, I don't feel like it. I'm watching reruns of Fat Albert right now. I ain't got, I ain't got time to go down there and save these people. Look at them. They're a bunch of ungrateful cockroaches. Some of them don't even have enough respect to respect their own parents. They're disgusting little credence. Why would I go down there and, and, and take them on that way? Why would I do that thing? Imagine if he said that. You know where you'd be going? The same place I'd be going. Exactly where I deserve. Separate from God for all of eternity. That's what Christmas is about. He chose 
He chose his lot. He was willing to become a man and then lay down his life for us. John one twenty nine. Go there. John one twenty nine. So when you think about Christmas, think about those kinds of things. Think about if he wasn't born. John one twenty nine. The next day he saw Jesus coming to him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. This is he on behalf of whom I said, After me comes a man who has a higher rank than I, for he existed before me. I did not recognize him, but so that he might be manifested to Israel, I came baptizing in water. John testified, saying, I have seen the Spirit descending as a dove out of heaven, and he remained upon him. I did not recognize him, but he who sent me to baptize in water said to me, He upon whom you see the Spirit descending and remaining upon him, this is the one who baptizes in the Holy Spirit. I myself have seen and have testified that this is the Son of God. So ask yourselves right now, what would your life be like right now had Jesus chosen not to be born a man? What would your life be like right now? How would your hope be right now? What would you have to hope in right now? Yourself? Your own good works? You think you can deliver yourself? Good luck. Been there, done that. About a thousand times. Doesn't work. But we're stupid and idiotic and we forget things like this. That God didn't have to send His Son. And His Son didn't have to choose to willingly die on a cross. But He did. And imagine if He didn't. So to me, celebrating Christmas is a really big deal because he did choose. What would your life be like right now had Jesus not chosen to be born a man? Had he not chosen to be the sacrificial lamb? I suppose it would be as Paul depicted. Go to 1 Corinthians 15, 19. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. I suppose this would be a good estimation of what life would be like had He chosen not to do these things for us. 1 Corinthians 15, 19. Nineteen. If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. But now Christ has been raised from the dead, the firstfruits of those who are asleep. For since by a man came death, by a man also came the resurrection of the dead. For as in Adam all die, so also in Christ all will be made alive. But verse 19 says of 1 Corinthians 15, If we have hoped in Christ in this life only, we are of all men most to be pitied. I suppose that would be where we would be at. We'd be pitiful. We are pitiful without Him. 
The Bible says while we were hopeless and helpless, he saved us. So all I could think about when I was preparing the lesson was hallelujah. Right? Amen. Hallelujah. That he chose to not only be born, but also to die. To take our place on the cross. Hallelujah. Just so you know, Hebrew, hallelujah is a Hebrew word meaning praise ye Yah, translated using Hebrew's plural imperative form of you in English being ye, and the shortened firm of Yahweh in Hebrew, Yah. Praise you, Jehovah. That's what it means. Hallelujah. Praise you, God. Praise you, Jehovah. Thank you, Lord. In other words, for sending him. Because if he was never born, I got a really big problem. <laughs> like a really big one. As I've intimated with you many times now in the past, when it comes to Christmas and Resurrection Sunday messages, I always battle a tinge of inadequacy. I mean, what can a mere man like me, a horribly flawed one, say about Jesus? That's, that's a big, that's a tall order. I'm humbled by it. And I'm honestly, I never feel adequate. <laughs> never. Feels like I'm trying to introduce him at a at a banquet or something. I don't know how to. I don't even know where to start. Where do you start? Okay, you got to introduce Jesus tonight. Oh, are you going to tell a joke? How do you introduce the God Man, the one who died for you? Where do you start? Honestly, it feels like I could stand here all day, every day, until the day I die, and still come up short of describing him fully. Which is why I guess I find my solace in knowing that even Paul, the apostle, lacked the skills necessary to do him justice. Up here on the board, 2 Corinthians 9.15, Thanks be to God for his indescribable gift. That gift is Jesus. You know what? He's a man. He's a human, like you and I. That's a fact. Even so, I beg your forgiveness for my failure to describe him at least one bit of what his life is worth to us. You need to have that on your own. You need to intimate yourself with the Word of God. You need to have what I like to think I have, which is a living hope. Something that transcends even the pages of the Bible. I don't want you to take my word for it. So I'll close with reading from Holy Scripture. For as I've learned over the years, nothing speaks louder or clearer 
than the Bible. Go to Luke 2, verse 1. Luke 2, verse 1. Luke 2, verse 1. Now, in those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that a census be taken of all the inhabited earth. This was the first census taken while Quirinius was governor of Syria, and everyone was on his way to register for the census, each to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee, from the city of Nazareth to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family of David, in order to register along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was with child. While they were there, the days were complete for her to give birth, and she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him in cloths and laid him in a manger, because there was no room for them in the inn. In the same region, there were some shepherds staying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For today in the city of David, there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them to heaven, the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then, and see this thing that has happened which the Lord has made known to us. So they came in a hurry and found their way to Mary and Joseph and the baby as he lay in the manger. When they had seen this, they made known the statement which had uh, been told them about this child. And all who heard it wondered at the things which were told them by the shepherds. But Mary treasured all these things, pondering them in her heart. The shepherds went back, glorifying and praising God for all that they had heard and seen, just as had been told them. And when eight days had passed, before his circumcision, his name was was then called Jesus, the name given by the angel before he was conceived in the womb. And when the days for their purification according to the law of Moses were completed, they brought him up to Jerusalem to present him to the Lord. As it is written in the law of the Lord, every firstborn male that opens the womb shall be called holy to the Lord. And to offer a sacrifice according to what was said in the law of the Lord, a pair of turtle doves or two young pigeons. And there was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon, And this man was righteous and devout, looking for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he had seen the Lord's Christ. And he came in the Spirit into the temple, 
And when the parents brought in the child Jesus to carry out for him the custom of the law, then he took him into his arms and blessed God and said, Now, Lord, you are releasing your bondservant to depart in peace according to your word. For my eyes have seen your salvation, which you have prepared in the presence of all peoples, a light of revelation to the Gentiles and the glory of your people Israel. And his father and mother were amazed at the things which were being said about him. And Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, Behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rise of many in Israel, and for a sign to be opposed. And a sword will pierce even your soul, even your own soul, to the end, to the end that thoughts from many hearts may be revealed. And there was a prophetess, Anna, the daughter of Phanuel, of the tribe of Asher. She was advanced in years and had lived with her husband seven years after her marriage. And then as a widow, to the age of 84, she never left the temple, serving night and day with fastings and prayers. At that very moment, she came up and began giving thanks to God and continued to speak of him to all those who were looking for the redemption of Jerusalem. And they had been, excuse me, they had performed everything according to the law of the Lord. They returned to Galilee, to their own city of Nazareth. The child continued to grow and become strong, increasing in wisdom, and the grace of God was upon him. Again, now his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover, and when he became twelve, they went up there according to the custom of the feast. And they, as they were returning after spending the full number of days, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem, but his parents were unaware of it, but supposed him to be in the caravan and went a day's journey. And they began looking for him among their relatives and acquaintances. When they did not find him, they returned to Jerusalem looking for him. Then after three days, they found him in the temple, sitting in the midst of the teachers, both listening to them and asking them questions. And all who heard him were amazed at his understanding and his answers. When they saw him, they were astonished, and his mother said to him, Son, why have you treated us this way? Behold, your father and I have anxiously uh, looking for you, have been anxiously looking for you. And he said to them, Why is it that you were looking for me? Did you not know that I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand the statement which he had made them to them and he went down with them and came to Nazareth and he continued in subjection to them his mother treasured all these things in her heart and Jesus kept increasing in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men and so you have that full context as we come full circle this morning as how we began with the man Jesus Christ so there you have it the story of the birth of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ and all of that long before he even began what most of the world knows about him through his precious ministry. But I find it very humbling, and I hope you do too, the fact that the Son of God, who is God, decided to humble himself and become a human being, that is, so that we might so many years later rejoice in all that he is to us, even as a man. So I would say this in closing. I'm going to pray and we'll sing afterwards one more song. 
May we celebrate his, birth, uh, his birthday, Christmas, tomorrow with all of this so very intimately and perfectly placed in our souls. Amen? All right, let's bow our heads. Dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for this wonderful, precious opportunity to gather together and celebrate the birth of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And may we reflect wholly upon the fact that this was by your grace, motivated by love, love that ultimately was born and then hung on a cross so that we might celebrate this way even this morning. We're so very grateful, Father. May we never become familiar with any of it, but celebrate it for all that it is worth. Thank you, Father, for giving us this morning, and thank you for gathering us together on this day to do this very thing. We just ask for your blessings as we take the things out to a world that's so lost and seemingly accelerating away from the truth that is your Son, our Lord and Savior. We ask these things in Jesus Christ's precious name. By the power of the Spirit, we do pray. Amen. Okay, let's... Uh...